and welcome to another episode of Alexis Says. I am your host, Alexis Miguez, and joining me this week is Carlos Briseño. What's going on, fellas? And then our new guest, Ruben Romero. Oh, look at that. I've never been introduced Hispanically before, though. So oh, really? That that's always that's always a nice, you know, Ruben Romero sounds right. Yeah. You know, you know? I'm, I'm adding a little flair, you know. There like you I, go. I, I feel I should use my exoticness for for some kind of advantage, you know. There's a lot of go. R's. There's a lot of R's <laughs> for people to to handle. So <laughs> yeah, you know, you always got to roll it in there, man. You know, people like that sexy. You know, it draws them in. It gets the people going. <laughs> so, gentlemen, what's going on? What's good, Carlos? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's. I was I was excited for a Marlins game, but it got it got delayed. So other than that, you know, this is this is what I got going for me for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad with the highlight every day. And there you go. Yeah, everything's good. And enjoy my day, my second day off during the week. So you know, it's always a good thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's got to be nice. Like I've had days off forever since uh, March. Mm. I don't have a damn job. Because so, mm. <laughs> of don't freaking get used COVID, to it. man. Don't get used to no, it. I, I don't want to get go used back, to it. Well, when you get back to work. I want, well, get, give me a freaking job, man. Yeah, and then maybe I'll, I don't. I don't care. Oh man. Anyways, yeah. So uh, for today's episode, I say, what is the best MCU movie? So we're gonna each talk about what we think are the three best movies in the MCU. Um, we're basically, uh, you know, there's a what? There's like 15 movies to pick from. The only rule is that we cannot pick any Avengers movies because that is just simply too easy. So we're going to pick everything else, and there's plenty to choose from. Uh, but before we go there, so obviously these films are based on comics, right? Marvel comics in general, right? Something that's been going around for decades, you know, the biggest thing around right now. Uh, so Ruben, you yourself are actually a writer, and you have a comic right now called The Agency. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, I've been reading Marvel and DC, um, since I was tall enough to get shoved into lockers for it. So, um, that's always, um, <clears throat> that's always a fond memory. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, just writing indie comics in general, um, has been a fun experience. I've been a published writer since, um, since 2014, uh, I was labeled a breakout success by Comixology, which is, uh, the largest, um, digital, uh, comic book provider, uh, on the market, mm-hmm. uh, was invited to New York Comic Con. Um, by them to sit on their panel. Uh, and the agency is kind of like Harry Potter meets Mission Impossible. Uh, it deals with uh, magic and espionage and a government agency tasked to kind of deal with magical terrorists, kidnappers, criminals. Uh, and it all centers in around uh, a young kid named Riley Dean, who is a newly emerged mage. Um, <clears throat> and in my world, mages uh, have a sp- uh, particular power set, kind of like the X-Men. You know, they, they have one thing they can do and, and you know, they, they don't travel outside of that realm. And Riley is the first known mage who can do it all. So he's sought after by the good guys, by the bad guys. Um, and he's just a 15-year-old kid who wants to be a kid. So it's a, it's okay. a lot of, it's a little Peter Parker, a little X-Men um, mm-hmm. with some Harry Potter and uh, Mission Impossible sprinkled on top. Okay, yeah, and kind of like a little bit like Avatar thrown in there too, right? So mm-hmm. he can do everything basically. Yeah. yeah, the Neo, the One. There's always that, you mm-hmm. know. There's always that 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 kind of uh, character development where, when it comes to these stories, you you have that one particular character who is the standout above all others, and you know he's surrounded by adults, and um, and he's got all these pressures of being a teenager and being an orphan, and uh, and now he's realizing that he's got all this power, and uh, what does he do with that? You know, that's that's the question I like to ask. Awesome. Good stuff, dude. So we actually uh, met, you know, informally uh, through a mutual friend of ours, Danya, mm-hmm. um, who, was, who was my wife's best friend. Mm-hmm. So she posted uh, something on Facebook. Basically, she was saying, am I the only one who gets attached to fictional characters? Right. <laughs> Which, you know, like 
oh, and then she mentioned how much you know she loved Don Draper, and I was like, I'm not gonna miss Don Draper. Like, no. I'm not gonna miss anybody from that show. <laughs> like, you know, like my, my wife and I were on season six right now, and it is so hard to get through it right now because we've lost so much interest in that show so quick. Yeah. No, but uh, you know, like the concept of getting attached to characters is a reason why the MCU has been so successful. I'd say, right? Right. You know, like all these characters in the universe, we're all super attached to some more than others, obviously, which is you know, I'm sure affects the ranking of, of films that we all picked. Uh, but I feel, yeah, that Marvel and Disney just nailed everything on the head as far as making these characters, and that's why the MCU has been the success that it's been. Would you guys agree? Yeah, uh, 100%. I think it helps that they had a, uh, they took their time with building the universe itself. Um, I mean, we kind of had a general idea of, you know, that maybe D Disney was willing to expand a universe to being this big the way it is now. Um, but it, it was very interesting to see kind of like the movies that were sprinkled from the get-go to build up the whole Avengers team. And then obviously all the movies leading into the big chapters, which are always the Avengers films. So, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's true. It, it, most, most, if not all of their movies have worked. If you look at, um, if you look even like critically, if you look at all their Rotten Tomato scores, they're all positive. There's none that are in the negative. Um, so, which is, you know, it's pretty hey, amazing. Even, even Hulk was in the positive. Yeah. They're all in the positive. Um, incredible Hulk, I think is, is, I believe the no, lowest it's rated. Probably like, it's probably ride that brink. It's like a 63, you know what I mean? Still, I mean, that's, you know, it, it's, it's borderline, you know, uh, uh, obviously failing grade. Right. But, um, yeah, but when you look at that and then you look at, um, kind of like how much better they've gotten over the years. Uh, it's, it is pretty amazing. I mean, um, nobody, I wouldn't have ever thought that, you know, from Iron Man one to, you know, which is the last one. I mean, basically what was it? Uh, Spider-Man, uh, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man far from home, far far from from home, home is the last one yeah. they've done. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I would have never said, Oh, every single one of them that they're going to make is going to be, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a knockout hit, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. Cause I get, I guess it's hard to imagine how far ahead they planned. Obviously we know that, from Iron Man, they already had an Avengers movie planned out and ready to go. But you know, do you think they thought they thought as far far ahead as Guardians of the Galaxy, or you know, like Captain Marvel? You know, you think they even thought that far ahead at that point? I don't think so. I I I think that they had a plan for that first volume. You know, they wanted to introduce Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, sprinkle in Black Widow and and Hawkeye in there to round out their you know and the Incredible Hulk. Um, you know, especially after Norton and Marvel kind of fell out. I, I didn't think that that character was going to see the light of day again. Um, and luckily they were able to, to cast Mark Ruffalo, but, um, no, I don't think that they had anything planned that far ahead. I mean, I, you know, that they have the source material to do it, you know, and they, they have stories to draw upon. But if you would have told me that we were going to sit in a movie theater to watch a talking tree and a, you know, genetically engineered raccoon and that we were all going to love it. I would have told you you're crazy. I mean, I, I, I own that first run of guardians of the galaxy and that mm. is a weird book, man. That is a weird yeah. out there book. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's funny to me to see these B and C list characters actually get their due and, mm -hmm. um, and actually be enjoyed by millions and millions of people. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. People tend to forget, but, um, I believe the only two movies that were made before Marvel was acquired by Disney was the first Iron Man and Incredible Hulk, right? Because they were made back to back. Obviously, mm -hmm. Iron Man yeah. 1 first came out and then Incredible Hulk came out. Yeah, because those two Iron have the Man Paramount is, intro. Iron Man is Paramount, I believe. And then Hulk, yeah, I think, is Paramount. Universal. Or no, it's Paramount yeah. as well, right? 
I thought it was uh, universal. I think it's universal. It, it, I think it's universal. And that's yeah. who had the uh, that's who had the rights. Right. So they were selling the rights off at least early on because Marvel was the Marvel Studios, quote unquote, was pretty young at the time, and then obviously Disney acquired them. You know, not too long later, and I think with the acquisition of Marvel uh, by Disney, that was just obviously a major, major. The, basically, the the checkbook opened up, and they could really expand mm -hmm. on that. And um, I think Marvel uh, had an idea in mind of expanding the universe to maybe making up to like an Avengers film and maybe like seeing where they go from there. I didn't, I, I'm, I don't know if they ever expected to, for it to balloon this, this large, especially, you know, even before being acquired by Disney. Cause once you get, you know, once Disney bought them out, it was, you know, it's an open, it's an open checkbook, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, I mean, good for Disney. I mean, this is like their, their number one moneymaker essentially yeah. in terms of the box office. I mean, um, these movies make, you know, way more than anything star wars related uh, for the most part so um just for just because of the the large fan base that it has so um and, you know good for disney i mean it was a, it was another at the time when they acquired them it was kind of a head scratcher like why is you know disney acquiring marvel but you know now it's yeah to pay off exactly yeah now looking back at it, you're like okay that makes sense yeah all right, all right, guys. Well, let's get to it. So we're gonna start ranking our favorite MCU movies. So Ruben, you're the new guy. So we're gonna start off with you. All right. So what, what's your third favorite Marvel movie? Uh, Iron Man one. Iron Man mm -hmm. one is is for me is 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 you know the quintessential door opening to to all of this. It's the linchpin uh, to the Marvel universe. I don't think if if John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr don't knock that movie out of the park we don't have an MCU right um and that movie was was for all intents and purposes it it was set up to fail i mean nobody knew how great it was going to be including those guys if if you ask them and you look at interviews and and you see them talk about it like they had no idea how big it was going to be you know um and and Thankfully, Kevin Feige and, and Favreau and 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 and, to, and I was going to call him Tony, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, they they really treated it the way that it should be treated, which was seriously. Let's take this thing serious and let's make a serious, you know, a good movie. Um, and of course, Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing the shirt right now. I mean, there is no there is nobody else. Um, that could have been that character. Uh, so to me, Iron Man, when we start to talk about the importance of the MCU, uh, you know, a lot of people generally gravitate towards the Avengers movies or, or maybe, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy because it was such a breakout hit from, you know, a, a group of unknown heroes. Uh, but for me, Iron Man is what is what what started all of this, you know, not only chronologically, but uh, to, to set up the future of it and, and to set up the success. Because when we all walked out of Iron Man, we believed in Iron Man. We believed that Tony, you know, that Robert Downey Jr. was Tony Stark and that Tony Stark was Iron Man. And, and we wanted to see more. So to me, if that movie is not as good as it was, um, and it still holds up to this day, uh, you don't have an MCU. I agree. I agree. Uh, that's also my pick for my number three with Iron Man. And yeah, like you said, like I feel Robert Downey Jr. was the only person that could be Tony Stark. He is probably, you know, uh, next to Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. You know, he is probably like the absolute best casting in film history hmm. for a character. Right. There's no one else you can think of to be him. You know, and now that he's no longer Iron Man, you don't want that character to ever be recast. Right. Like, you know, you're like, fuck it. Leave him, leave him dead. Don't bring him back. Yeah. You know, in comics, people don't stay dead long. 
So, but you know, this is one character where you don't want him to come back if it's not Robert Downey Jr. And with him saying that he's done with it, listen, I can be 60 years old and wait for that recasting then, okay? Like, you know, like I'll wait. I have no problem with it. Right. But like you said, yeah, the movie started it all. You know, it was the, you know, the absolute best superhero movie at that time, right? Because before that, what do we have? Fantastic Four? You know, like movies that were just generally crap. You know, you have the Batman films, which stand on their own, the Superman films that stand on their own. But as far as like building a real comic book universe, you really getting you into a comic book movie. This is the one that nailed it. Oh, yeah. And you know, even that Easter egg scene at the end, right, with Samuel, you know, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick fucking Fury, you know, and then you hear the word Avengers at the end, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, what are they doing?" Right. You know, like uh, that movie. Oh man, when did it come out? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I was like eighteen, nineteen years old. I remember going to the Denny's just out of high school movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah fresh out of high school. Yeah, so I went to the Denny's, uh, the one across the street from the Kendall Drive uh, movie theater, and then I was there with a few buddies, and all we did was just talk about that movie the entire time we were there. Mm-hmm. That's all we did was just talk about that, and we talked about it for weeks because it was just such a phenomenon. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely the reason why we're at where we're at now. You know, that movie started it all. No, I, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm the, the same points that Ruben brought up is basically what I was going to bring up. Um, I almost had it as my number three. Um, if anything, it's actually, uh, I probably would call it my number four if you find it hard to believe. But um, that Iron Man one is, we we got a general sense of what Marvel was trying to do with, uh, I guess, their franchises. Because, you know, after selling off Spider-Man and X-Men in the 90s, because they were doing so bad, the, the idea of Marvel ever coming up with the money to, to, come, to actually make a, an Iron Man film. Um, and... Picking Iron Man out of all the Avengers first was a very interesting choice because, I mean, mm-hmm. he, was, he was very popular at the time. But, you know, some people might argue that Captain America is a little bit more popular than him or even Hulk, you know, things like that. Where, Yeah, or Spider-Man. He, like, he was right. the biggest character the Marvel had at the time. Right, but uh, obviously they, they they sold him off. Yeah, yeah, they sold him off, yeah. Right. So, at the you know, with the characters that they had left, in terms of popular ones, I mean, Iron Man was, he's up there, but you would have never thought that would be the first one. And then when they decided to go that route... And uh, first, hire a guy like John Favreau, who had relatively small success in terms of the director's chair, but most people knew him from acting. And then um, casting Robert Downey Jr. at a time where Robert Downey was just coming out of like, you know, rehab and uh, um, Mm -hmm. basically trying to revive his acting career, which is talk about the ultimate comeback story. Um, Because, yeah, Robert Downey, if you would ask me, you know. If I was an adult in the late 90s watching like the news and seeing the, the, the stuff that Robert Downey Jr. was going through, you'd be like, yeah, there's no way this guy is ever getting back into Hollywood. But look what happened. So, yeah, I mean, they, they really knocked that out of the park. There, there, there are certain things in the movie that like obviously the jokes that hold that don't hold up because they're a little dated and, you know, people forget how old the movie is. I mean, we're what is it? Twelve years old now. Right? Twelve years old. Yeah. So um, and and. It, if you watch it nowadays, it could still certain things can still feel a little bit campy. Like Jeff Bridges, his villain character in that movie is like pretty like yeah. It's pretty, he was always screaming. He, he screamed a lot in that movie. It's pretty much like like yeah, it screams a lot over the top. And then like even the the final boss fight of him being in just a bigger Iron Man suit was a little like okay, yeah. but still it worked. Um, you know, and it's one of the few movies that uh, a lot of the cast has come back. Um, because, uh, you know, they even, they even, uh, brought back one of the scientists from that movie is makes a, an appearance again in another one, you know, in another one of the Marvel films, like, yeah. Uh, wasn't he the one in uh Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, far from it was. Yeah, it was. It was that that whole the, all those people that got fired, right? Were mm-hmm. the main kind of like antagonists or a group of antagonists from Spider Man. So like they even you know from the first Iron Man movie, you get characters come back coming back, and the last Marvel movie that they've made, it's pretty crazy. So you can't say that a lot for like Incredible Hulk. That's uh, one of those movies where uh, you think about the entire cast and like almost no one is back from that movie, basically. Um, mm. Even I think the only one is uh, what's his face, uh, William William Hurt, right? Yep, is that uh, his name? William Hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He plays, he plays General. You know, uh, what's Ross. His face? General Ross. Ross. Yeah. So, like he's the only one that's come back from that movie. That's probably the the, mm-hmm. the one Marvel film because um, that most people forget about, right? And obviously, and, and it came out around the same time as Iron Man. So Iron Man compared to that really knocked it out of the park. And yeah, it's true. If, if it wasn't for the success of Iron Man, yeah, we probably wouldn't have an MCU or at least definitely not 23 movies in. So, mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah. It has been that many movies. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Carlos. Well, what's your, what's your pick for number three? So my number three, we've talked about it already before. And, uh, I picked it because it's at the time, it was definitely the most ballsy and obscure, uh, movie that Marvel made, which is guardians. The first guardians of the galaxy. That's my number three. Oh yeah. I remember it being announced at, uh, when we went to comic con in 2014, mm-hmm. um, well, not even announced. Like we kind of knew it was coming out, right? Because th- it was coming out that year, correct? Right? It was we coming out that year. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, um, yeah. Because um, I went to Comic Con 2013, the year before, um, mm-hmm. when it was when it was like already announced. But um, they had only filmed for a week, right? And um, at the end of the panel, they made a surprise appearance. Like mm-hmm. all the cast members, like Chris Pratt, everybody was there, James Gunn, and they actually showed a trailer, which we were like, "What the fuck? You've only been filming for a week!" And the trailer was amazing. Like it, it, it ended with that scene where uh, Rocket is on top of Groot shooting his machine guns and shit. Uh, right, and I was yeah, like, sure oh my God. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I went crazy. So then when, when we went, they basically, they showed, uh, I think, I think I, for whatever reason, I remember them showing us like maybe the opening scene of the movie or something like that. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm going to be mistaken, but I'm just, yeah, the, um, I, I think so. The one of him on the planet, I think that was what we saw. Right. Originally. But even when, even besides even not showing that, just um, that movie in general is it's it's true. Also, what what Ruben said was that it's such an obscure and weird comic for 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 Disney to basically like put it in the forefront and, and make it like an ensemble cast movie where not many people know or knew who the Guardians were at the time. You know, a lot of the characters uh, like they're just they're very weird and they're very you know um, they're just they're not the the kind of characters you would expect to. Uh, make a franchise out of um, and this is technically it was the first I guess cosmic uh, Marvel film I mean you can count mm-hmm. the first Thor but the first Thor it takes place entirely almost on planet Earth right so it's mm-hmm. it's not really that cosmic related um, so this uh, the first Guardians was like the uh, Disney's almost attempt at Star Warsing the Marvel Universe I guess you would say um, yep because uh, it's you know they have they have a whole clean slate of like new locations to pick from and all the source material to pick from. They have the whole galaxy to to pick from and to bring a guy like James Gunn on board to do. You know, he's so good at making ensemble movies. Um, I mean, it's it's great. It's it's funny. Uh, it never got it never got boring. All the cast is basically perfect. Everybody cast in each role. Even Dave Bautista mm-hmm. as Drax. Like I remember when he was yeah. announced, people were like, Dave Bautista, the former, like, why the hell? Like, there's so many other people they could pick. There was like, you know, they could have gone after The Rock, 
or they could have gone after like anybody that they thought might have had a little like maybe more charisma or more like acting chops but he, he knocked it out of the park you know and he's he's doing well for himself now so yeah well yeah but like you can't go for the rock because like he, he would have just you know taken over the whole movie and you know like, right. Jax can't be the leader but right. actually like originally jason momoa was up for the part like he, he was going to be drax and like so uh, i don't know why but but he dropped out like at the last minute and batista took over yeah so but you know but he, he landed on his feet because now he's freaking aquaman yeah but yeah, I brought up The Rock just because like, you know, just just people at the time not really sure about the whole Dave Bautista casting where they felt like, oh, there's so many other people they could have gone after. But yeah, everybody worked. You know, mm-hmm. um, what's what's her face? Um, Zoe Saldana? Yeah, I was going to say, I almost said Deschanel, but yeah, Zoe Saldana as, uh, <laughs> as uh, that would have been an interesting God, no. Gamora. Like, Gamora, Gamora would have yeah. been really annoying if it was Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> it was a boring, you know, no emotion. She, she, she would have she banged the whole movie. Yeah, oh, no, exactly. No, no. But yeah, 500, I mean, 500 Nights of Guardians, that's that's what it would have been. Oh, Jesus Christ. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm not watching that one. <laughs> but yeah, everyone, and even, even Bradley Cooper being the voice of Rocket, like, who would have thought Bradley Cooper would be out of all the people to be the voice of Rocket? And it worked. And now it's like... Mm-hmm. You can't see. They're another perfect example of you can't see anybody else playing those roles. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely, uh, that, that was my number three. Yeah, like for for me when they first announced Guardians, yeah, I was super hyped because uh, like you, Ruben, I read the comics. Like uh, I read the Dan Abnett Andy Lanning run, right? Uh, which is like by far one of the best comic runs you're ever going to read. Like those guys just fucking killed it from beginning to end. So you know when they announced the Guardians movie, I was like, wait a minute, seriously? Like these mm-hmm. guys are like unknowns. You know, even people that read Marvel comics, you know, the Guardians, you know, they're like the B team. Right. And all, all of a sudden they're being thrown into the forefront and they're leading their own movie. And the fact that it was so good and now Guardians are everywhere. They're like, you know, one of the best selling comics. They have their own cartoon show, action figures. You know, like my nephew has a Star-Lord mask. You know, it's like they're huge now because of that. Like my wife and I were a Star-Lord and Gamora for Halloween one year. And that's like, hilarious. It, it took her a week to get the green paint off her body. Like she, <laughs> she was super dedicated. I don't know how she did it, but she couldn't get it off after a while. But yeah, to see the movie happen and be a success and just have them be a part of the MCU, you, you get a part two during Infinity War, during Endgame, you know, like I was really happy about how great that movie was for sure. Yeah, no, and there's uh, and there's something to be said again but about James Gunn and um, and where he came from, you know, from from the dungeons of 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 of, uh, of Kaufman's Toxie Studios and doing all those weird you know, obscure films. Um, Super is one of the most violent, hyper-violent superhero films I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, but he's got this knack for comedy and and, and just, like, uh, being able to to kind of balance that with, with humanity. Um, he does it so well. I mean, you know, the, the characters that you, that you walk out there feeling the most for are a tree and a raccoon you know um you know the the most emotional you know all the all the emotional weight in that film uh other than other than you know the introduction of peter quill and his mom passing away at the beginning of the movie um it all rests on the shoulders of groot and rocket you know mm-hmm. um and that, and that note kind of goes throughout the guardians movies because if you go to guardians 2 um you you see that with you know with yondu and, uh, you know, he may, he, he's, he may be your father, but he's not your pappy boy, you know, like <laughs> he's, it's, you know, these, these emotional, this emotional levity to it that again, you don't think you're going to get from, from a group like this. Um, and, and I just give my hats off to him because I am so excited for the new suicide squad because of, uh, because of James Absolutely. Gunn, Absolutely. Um, 
and I've had, you know, I got to meet him and his brother, um, and, and both of them are, are really stand-up guys, really good guys. And, and just to kind of pick their brain for a moment and, 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 and ask them questions about what it was like being on set and what it was like to, you know, kind of try to put together the story. And the one thing that they kept all going back to was family. You know, like we just wanted to make a family film and it's hilarious that they look at it that way because, you know, you, you think about family films and Guardians doesn't come to mind. But 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 the thought of the, the Guardians being a family and them being able to kind of just come together, even though they're not supposed to uh, and make it through these situations that that to me was like, OK, that's where they you know, that's the bar that they set and, and they totally went above and beyond. So. Yeah, hats off to James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy because that's definitely an important found part of the foundation in the MCU. Absolutely, yeah. Like uh, you know, mentioning Suicide Squad, like when when they announced that he was doing the Suicide Squad, right, the reboot, you know, because it's not really a sequel. I was super excited because the original Suicide Squad was an absolute dumpster fire of a movie, right? Like mm. if, that, if that movie was just like a, the first half hour. Then fine, you know, I give it maybe like a seven because first half bar was great. Mm-hmm. But you know, then they get to the city and it all just goes to crap. And then like the one line that I hate the most was towards the end when Diablo was gonna go fight the stupid Cara Delevingne, you know, <laughs> twerking goddess. It was like, oh, I already lost one family. I'm not gonna lose another. I'm like, you guys are not a family. You guys mm-hmm. don't like each other. Right. You showed us nothing throughout the the last hour of you guys being unified in any way, you know. So with the Suicide Squad, it you know obviously it's got like what thirty members in there, you know, yeah. but. At least, you know, with James Gunn, you're going to feel like these guys have a connection by the end of the movie. You feel that they're really going to actually care about each other by the end of the movie. And honestly, like, I'm so excited to see King Shark, mm. you know, in a, in a live action movie. Yes. Like, they had him already, like, on The Flash. But, you know, that, that was a Flash. He was just like a regular villain. But you can tell in this one, even though we've seen nothing of it, and we don't even know who's voicing him. Like, I'm, I'm hoping it's Taika Waititi because they still haven't told us who's, who he's voicing. Um, but, you know, like, I think he's going to be a big part of that movie. So I'm really excited to go to see, like, a half-man, half-shark, yeah. you know, show emotion. Yeah, I'm excited for yeah. that, too. And, and only only James Gunn can do that, I feel. Yeah, without a doubt. All right. So, uh, all right, so let's move on to the, the next one. So I'll, I'll go next. So my number two movie that I'm going to pick is Thor Ragnarok. So easily, by far, the best Thor movie, right? Like, it's not even no question, right? The first Thor, super boring. The second Thor was just not good. Um, so definitely, um, Ragnarok just stepped everything up from the get, you know, you bring in, like I just mentioned, Taika Waititi, who is, you know, one of the hottest directors around right now, that everything the guy touches is made of gold Mm. and, you know, you pair up Thor and the Hulk, right. A pairing that people were already excited about because you already saw their interaction in the first Avengers movie. Um, you know, and basically anytime they're, they're around, they're always like messing with each other and things like that. So I was excited to have a movie where you focus on their dynamic and their friendship. And then you throw in Jeff Goldblum. And you're just like, shit, I'm sold. I'm in, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, Kate Blanchett was absolutely perfect as Hela. Like, I just love the fact that they were so faithful to her character design that they kept the huge fucking helmet mm-hmm. with the horns and all that stuff. Like, they didn't mess around with any of it. They cut everything as is. Uh, the comedy was just, like, absolutely on point. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, for me, really nailed it in this movie. I feel this, this was next to Infinity War. This was his best movie as Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his comedic timing was just excellent. You know, like I, I felt I got more more respect for him as an actor in this movie because you know he was always like the big, good-looking guy that can just be physical and play Thor. But in this one, you know, like you really felt like he was acting in this movie because of what he had to do in the movie. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it's just like all of it was perfect. Immigrant song should be in every action movie and every action scene. That should be the background song to everything. It just excellent. Every supporting character was great. You know, Valkyrie, uh, Tessa Thompson was great as Valkyrie. You know, Taika Waititi, of course, had to be in there as Korg. You know, and he he was funny as hell, everything he was in. So it was definitely, you know, a movie that I can rewatch beginning to end. No problem. Like whenever it's on, I'll watch it. I don't care. I agree. I agree. Love Ragnarok. That's that was my number two as well. Um, it's I've, I basically second everything Alexis said. And I mean, I might even say it's to me, it's it's the funniest out of all the Marvel films. It's even to me, it's even funnier than both Guardians movies just because of Taika Waititi's also he's his willingness to improv and allow their actors to kind of like and Chris Hemsworth is it showed how well of a comedic actor he can be because um, you can kind of tell that there's a lot of scenes in that movie that you know, especially lines that were delivered just they seemed more improvised than scripted you know um, and not only that the the action sequences are great um, the it's it's probably after Guardians like the most colorful film. I mean, there's a lot of color in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. And when you compare it to a lot of some of the other Marvel films that could have a little bit more of a subdued color palette. But um, yeah, it's 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 absolutely hilarious. There's never a point in that movie where it's boring. You know, some of the cameos in it are amazing. Like, um, I don't know if you know, Alexis, but one, they have Sam Neill playing. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, his, he, he was, his, uh, was he Odin in, in he that was play? Odin in the play. And then yeah. the, the person playing... Uh, Thor in the play as as like the person playing as Thor in that play is his real life brother, the other Hemsworth brother. And oh then, no shit! Yeah, he's the one that's in Westworld. Um, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, and then obviously the one playing Loki is freaking Matt Damon out of out of nowhere. You know, <laughs> yeah. So and you get some cameos in there that are like on the surface you think why is this person in there, but they they work and it's just it's so it's such a funny movie and. Um, it shows you the chemistry that also not only that Chris Hemsworth has with Tessa Thompson, but also with uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Him and Loki are like him and Loki mm-hmm. as as an on screen duo are like almost perfect. Like you could mm-hmm. you could just show me movies with just them two the rest the, the rest of the time, and I'll be happy, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then you know, yeah, obviously you have to mention characters like Korg. Korg is obviously voiced by Taika Waititi. Was amazing. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those that that was the one Marvel film basically after Guardians that uh, I left out of the theater and I was d- already dying to watch it again. Um, mm-hmm. Just such a it's it's just it's so fun and funny and, and, and feel good. And there's nothing in that movie. There's never a part of that movie where I'm bored. And then you forget to mention that the Hulk is in it. You know, it's another one. Yeah. that's like <laughs> It's he hasn't had a movie since The Incredible Hulk. Right. So like mm-hmm. this is probably the next big one that he's in that he has. He shares a lot of screen time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and he was funny as hell in that movie too. You yeah, know? and like uh, that scene uh, with Thor and Loki in the elevator, where uh, Thor tells Loki, "Hey, let's play get help." That was improvised. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that was in the script. Like he made that shit on the fly, which was excellent. And yeah. you know, like like the funniest scenes for me, uh, there are two. Uh, when Loki was you know taken by Doctor Strange, and then Thor was about to leave, he's like, "Oh, my brother!" And then <laughs> Loki falls. He's like, "I've been falling." For thirty minutes, <laughs> and then the other scene was uh, when at the end, where Mark Ruffalo uh, was going to turn into the Hulk, so he jumps off the plane, and you think he's going to land, transform, and he just fucking basically dies on the bridge. is amazing. Like I, I die, I spit out my my popcorn on that one. It was hilarious. Yeah, there's there's comedy everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and again, that that's a testament to Taika and and his brilliance. Um, if, you know, if anybody's watched, you know, the episodes he directed with, you know, for the Mandalorian, um you know, um, 
Jojo Rabbit, um, and you know some of his earlier work. He's he's just really brilliant in in that sense where he knows how to treat his actors and he knows you know when when to go and when to not go and and uh, and Thor Ragnarok. I think I think the Thor franchise. You know, I call it as Guardians of the Galaxy now because you know not only is that joke in 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 Endgame, but it's it was something that I even said beforehand when I first got out of Thor Ragnarok. I was like, this felt like a Guardians film set in the Thor universe, um, and I think that that's probably a testament to 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 James uh, and and Taika just being from the same school, you know, and being from from that same cut, you know, cut from that same cloth. Uh, I, I don't have Ragnarok as my number two. I'm actually I actually go with um with Ant Man, uh, uh, honestly. Um, just because, uh, again, the implications that Ant-Man brings to the MCU, right? So the, the mm-hmm. quantum realm, the science behind it, um, Dr. Pym, you know, the Pym particles, uh, Janet Van Dyne, you know, all of those characters are are just OG Avengers, man. You know, like those, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're the blueprint for what we're seeing now, you know, the rebooted version of, of those original characters um, that found a lot of success. You know, Scott Lang's, you know, Ant-Man, um, you know, Robert Kirkman had a run with him. And, you know, it, it's it's all these things that came after, you know, the original. But those characters to me are, are so important. Um, and, and the science that that is being, you know, given to us um, and kind of spoon fed to us through uh, those films uh, have huge implications for the future of the MCU. Uh, you know, you're talking. We're you know now we now we're talking about Fantastic Four, and, uh, time travel, uh, quantum possibility, quantum realm possibilities. You know, you've got they're talking about uh, Kong the Destroyer. Uh, all of these characters don't don't exist without Ant Man. You know, mm. um, so to me, uh, Ant Man is number two because he he kind of brings that level. Uh, of unification uh, as well as the science that's going to allow for these other characters to come into the MCU and us not be like, well, that's weird or that's shoehorned in there. Um, so they've, they've actually put the breadcrumbs down. They've planted the seeds in those movies to be able to operate uh, on a larger scale uh, come down the road. Uh, th- you know, that and Paul Rudd is, is a national treasure. I mean, I, I, I love the guy, you know, mm-hmm. I could just watch him eat you know, cotton candy on a, on a chair for two hours and I'll be happy. Um, Or chicken wings or chicken wings, whatever, you know? Um, So I, you know, I, I, and I love that cast. Um, You know, everybody in that movie just knocks it out of the park. Um, And it's the only other movie where it's the only other Marvel movie where I feel like it, it doesn't require a, a lot of backstory. It doesn't require a lot for you to sit down and become invested in them you don't need to know a lot about ant-man um to know that you know he's he's a good guy you know and that he's he's he loves his daughter and he's doing this because he needs to be you know he needs to do it he needs to be a good person um you know he doesn't have all this money like iron man does um he's not a god uh he's not a super soldier he's just he's just you know you and me and he was given an opportunity to be better than what he was um and he steps up so to me i i just i love those kinds of stories those unassuming heroes um you know my parents didn't die in an alleyway or you know my weapons aren't used for nefarious purposes i'm just i'm a screw up and, and, and I need to be better. And the only way I can be better is if people give me a chance. Uh, so to me, like, you know, Ant-Man embodies that whole, 
that whole kind of philosophy that everybody deserves a second chance and you can be a hero and you can be a good person, you know, if you want to be um, and if you choose to stand up, you know. So it's one of those things where like like one of my favorite things at the end of Civil War is he's he's pacing in, inside that cell like if he's, you know, part of the Avengers, you know, now and 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 Tony looks and he's like, who are you? And he's like, are you kidding me? You know, like he's like. <laughs> You know, he can't himself can't believe that, like, all this stuff I've done so far, I just went big, you know, and like, you still don't know my name. So, like, for me, it's like, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's about the good of humanity and like the, like the, the ability for one person to step up and, and do the right thing. And Scott Lang is, is just one of my favorite characters ever. So, um, I love Ant Man. Yeah, definitely. Paul Rudd can do no wrong. Like, that guy is great in everything that he's in. Um, yeah, like I, I really enjoyed Ant-Man myself as well. Uh, I, I prefer the sequel, uh, but definitely, uh, you know, the first one is really good. Like you said, the cast is great. You know, and, and like, you know, you didn't even mention like his, uh, his, his friends, right? Like Michael Pena, mm-hmm. T.I., right. um, this other guy, I forget his name. Uh, I know his last name is like Dastel Machian. He's also in the Suicide Squad. He's mm-hmm. Polka Dot Man. Yeah, in the yeah. Suicide Squad. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like the movie was funny as hell. And then, you know, honestly... I'm very disappointed because you guys seen the memes where Michael Payne's character uh, reenacts like all the, the events of the various movies. Mm-hmm. Like he should have at some point been the one to like bring us like the story, like an end game or something. Hey, let's catch you up. You know, but unfortunately yeah. it didn't go with anything like that. But yeah, like um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like you said, yeah, it doesn't require you to really know anything about, you know, about the character. You're, you're going into it. And obviously picking Paul Rudd was a huge drop. People want to see him now as a superhero. Like, oh shit, Paul Rudd's a superhero now. Let's go see it. Hmm. Yeah, and no, it's a, ahead, just, ahead, to, just, just to piggy, piggyback on that, like his casting was brilliant uh, on a lot of levels, but more so because, again, he just doesn't look like the guy. Right. Like mm. it, and it's the same. It's the same can be said about Chris Pratt when they when they when they, you know, cast him as Star Lord. Like, yeah. who would have thought? Well, because yeah, well, physically he wasn't the guy because <laughs> he wasn't the guy. Right. He was like, who would have thought this, you know, chubby guy, you know, from what is it? Parks and Rec. Right. Like, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Uh, you know how is he going to be a superhero, you know? Uh, but Paul Rudd even more so because it was just like, you know, he's, he's an, he looks like a nerd, you know what I'm saying? He looks like literally like in his real life, he just looks like a nerdy guy. So it's like one of those things where it just, it just didn't like at first on the surface level, you're like, nah, this isn't going to work. But the minute that he gets in that suit, you know, or, or not even um, where, where the first moment that he jumps over the fence to go into Hank Pym's house, you're like, OK, wait a second. Like maybe he maybe he got himself up to par here and, and we're going to see some surprising stuff. And he, just his one liners is his his comedic timing allows for that movie to kind of breathe and, and and get serious at some points. But then at the same like that whole Thomas the Tank engine, like that whole that whole end fight scene was mm. just brilliant. It was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And it wasn't. Like I said, they were literally throwing toys around, but you would think that they were like in the middle of New York downtown, you know, destroying buildings. It was that entertaining. Um, So, like, I I just think that, again, Ant-Man is one of those movies that uh, they were smart enough to to see what what they had and, and they were and they were smart enough to see the future and where they wanted to go and knew that this character needed to be implemented and needed to be put into the MCU so that in the future, the things that he provides and the science that he provides um, can be used to kind of explain different things that they're going to probably play with later on down the road. Yeah. I, what, what I was going to bring up about Ant-Man is uh, that was the, probably the first Marvel film after they established this, you know, the whole MCU universe that I was a little bit worried about 
um, just because of the uh, production troubles that they had, or at least pre-production troubles that they had. Because um, for those that don't know, that movie, well, that Ant-Man was initially supposed to be written and directed by Edgar Wright. And for people who mm-hmm. don't know who Edgar mm-hmm. Wright is, you know, he did uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, uh, Baby Driver. So um, very, very, very talented writer and director. And it would have been really interesting to see an Ant-Man movie from that guy's head. Um, but the issue that, that came up is that uh, Marvel wanted a Marvel Ant-Man film and Edgar Wright wanted an Edgar Wright Ant-Man film. So he wasn't really keen on tying it into the same universe. And basically a lot of like uh, disagreements between things that uh, uh, led him to leave the film. Right. And um, when that happened, uh, Marvel was still at the time, they were like, no, it's still going to come out on this, this specific date. And it was only maybe five, six months later that the, uh, the initial date was for them to release the film. So a lot of people were really thinking like, who, who are they going to hire to take over the reins? And is this movie going to work? And, you know, they brought in Peyton Reed, who at the time was only really known for like, bring it on and like, bring it on baby. And some other (laughs) smaller, obscure comedies. Right. And he did really well. I mean, you can kind of tell when you watch the movie that, um, there's a lot of Edgar Wright, uh, tropes in there, like the whole Michael Pena na- narrating, you know, uh, what happens and like the fast paced editing and the, and the, and the, and the swish pans that you would see, like when they keep pushing the camera in and then swishing the camera to a specific person, that's very, 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 very much Edgar Wright style. Um, and you could tell that those things kind of carried over from his original script and, um, it would have been really interesting to see, I think, uh, uh, an Edgar Wright Ant-Man film. But I give credit to Peyton Reed and Marvel itself, or they they salvaged this film because this was the first one that I was really worried about. This was the one where I was like, this one might actually not do well for them just because of the turmoil that they had uh, early on. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think it's, it's a lot of fun. Paul Rudd is great. Um, you know, it, it, it good for him also to commit to getting in shape and like actually, you know, working out and not looking like just like, his character from like 40 old virgin, you know? Um, well, you know, well, funny thing was, um, so he they didn't require him to work out for that movie, but he was like, well, I want a shirtless scene like Chris Hemsworth, the guy. So, there you so go. He, he worked out just for that purpose to get that one. Cause I think he only has one scene where he doesn't have a shirt on. Right. Yeah. And he, basically. he worked out just for that one scene. Yeah. But you know, you get pedigree actors, obviously besides Paul Rudd, um, uh, Evangeline Lilly, right? That's her name. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, playing obviously the the love interest, but also being holding her own. She's great in it, especially in the second one as well. Um, and then Michael Douglas is Michael Douglas. I mean, a lot of people, my mm-hmm. my dad's for whatever reason not the biggest fan of Michael Douglas. I have no idea why. He just doesn't like why? the guy. I don't know. But um, for the most part, like, he's this, a very this, this, literally the guy that got oral cancer because he went down on his wife too much. Yeah, <laughs> like, basically. Like and why, why would you get a guy around. like that? You know? Yeah, but. <laughs> He, I mean, he's also great, man. I'm I'm happy that he was willing to like commit to being in in a in the Marvel universe, you know? Because there's some actors out there, especially the older ones, that might be like, oh, I'm 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 too much above this stuff. I shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, I should stay away from it. But um, yeah, it's everything really worked out really well in that movie. I mean, it's it, it there's nothing in it that's absolutely mind blowing. There's nothing in it that really blows and you know everything else away. But it just it works well, especially for the expectations that people had for it. Definitely. All right, guys. Uh, th- th- wait, did we all get our, our number twos out of the way? We did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because okay, cool. you, you said Thor, and and that was my number. Oh, okay. Two yeah, well. that's number two. Okay. Cool. All right. So then well, we're gonna move on to number one. So this is gonna be the movie that we feel it is the absolute best, the pinnacle of the Marvel movies. All right. So uh, Ruben, uh, you go first, brother. Winter Soldier, man. Ah. All right. 
Captain America, Winter Soldier. Um, I think that that changed, you know, the game for Marvel in terms of just like being able to tell, you know, a more adult story um, in these comic book movies. Um, it it gave us Sebastian Stan as as Winter Soldier as Bucky, um, which again probably one of the most underrated characters in the Marvel universe, in the MCU, not so much the comic books. He gets plenty of love in the comics, but, but in terms of the MCU, I mean, he gets outshined, you know, even by Falcon. Um, but, but he's so good as Bucky Barnes. Like, it, and if you read the comics, you know why, because I mean, you're talking about, you're, everybody's like, Oh, he's so deadpan. And it's like, have you read the comics? <laughs> because this is not a, this is not a, a light and fluffy guy. This guy has been through some serious trauma. Um, so to, to see all that, to, you know, for the, the choreography, the fight choreography in that movie, the action sequences, um, uh, and then just the emotional acting that we get from Chris Evans, uh, and, and, um, and, and Sebastian Stan uh, in those moments. I mean, it's just it's just really great storytelling. Uh, you know, it, it 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 ushered in the end of Shield. Uh, it it rebooted. You know, that kind of street level uh, type of you know watchful eye that Nick Fury had on 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 the world. Uh, it took all of that away from him, um, and it put him on the ground level. Um, you know, there was just there were so many implications that came out of that movie uh that really shaped the mcu uh and to me i mean i don't know as much as much as i love all the characters in the moral in the mcu uh captain america to me is has been the one that that franchise just gets better and better and better and better as it goes um and again you know it, it's one of those things where the russo brothers have a large part a large part to play in that they just know how to tell these stories um they have a dynamic way of shooting uh those those action sequences um there's just really nothing bad about that movie uh there really isn't uh the score is amazing in that film uh there's so many good things about it but but most importantly for me i think it it just it it took us away from the avengers and the mcu that they had built um, and it and it kind of broke it apart, and then they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go from here." And the, and b these pieces that are lying on the floor are 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 there intentionally. It's not because anything is fractured or broken or we don't know what to do with it, but it's because we have a purpose. And that's where that's where the MCU to me really started to take off. Um, so for me, Winter Soldier, it, you know, if if you want to talk about the best of the best, you know, without including Infinity War and Endgame or any of the Avengers. Um, you know, that to me, I think it slaps up pretty much all the other Marvel movies, um, you know, except for it, its counterpart, which is Civil War. Uh, you know, like it, it just Civil War just ratches it up another notch. But to me, Civil War is an Avengers 2.0 movie. So I left it off the list. Um, so but uh, standalone Civil War is just, I mean, um, uh, Winter Soldier is just by and large heads and shoulders above a lot of these Marvel movies. Yeah, so no, I, I agree. I, no, go, go for it, Carl. Go for it. I was going to say this is also my number one. Um, it's also my number one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, uh, uh, what I was going to say is I think this movie really stands out because it's, at least for me, it's the most grounded in reality Marvel yeah. film. Um, all the other Marvel movies have some sort of, uh, I guess, fantasy level to them that kind of like make them almost uh, surreal to the point where it's like, you you can uh, 
almost not that it's not believable, but you know, there's some aspect to it that makes them very, very, very comic booky. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first one that's really grounded in reality in terms of like the the action sequences, um, the storyline, you know, uh, uh, all the characters in it. Like, because even like the first Captain America. Yeah, it's a period. I guess you could say it's a period film. It t- takes place, sure. you know, in around World War II, you know, that whole era. Yeah, but, you know, even Hydra with the whole like like laser weapons and stuff like that. Obviously, that's very, you know, yeah. and, and fantasy, Red right? Right. Red Skull. Right. Very fantasy. But then you get to this one and talk about, you know, the second installment being so much better than the first. And I like the first Captain America, but um, this it's just, yeah, all the action sequences work. Um, you know, the fight choreography, everything's so intense and visceral. And um, it, 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 it was the first one, the first Marvel film that uh, really just made me want to rewatch it just because of those action sequences, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, and then you add the story on top of that, you know, Disney and Marvel really took a they took a chance when it came to at least the script with this whole idea of like, all right, you know, this whole organization shield that we're making the Avengers a part of. Yeah, they're, they've been evil from the get go. And and to to have that kind of story and really resonate with this whole because um, it came out at that time with the whole uh, fiasco of the NSA like uh, spying on us and you know the whole mm-hmm. uh, Edward Snowden crap. So with this movie coming out, it almost felt like it came out at the right time. And to find out through the movie itself that like um, the the whole revelation that that Shield has been Hydra the whole time. I remember at least watching the movie. I was like, holy shit, that's 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 fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having somebody as as intimidating and with the acting pedigree as Robert Redford playing the main antagonist in it is 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 amazing. Like you know he he was so good in it. That's another one that I'm like, if you would have told me that Robert Redford would be in a Marvel film ten years ago, I would have been like, you're mm-hmm. you're crazy. Like I you know he d- either does whatever he wants to do or or that's it. You know. So but he was willing to do it and he's great in it. And mm-hmm. you know he chews up the scenery with him with the scenes with him and Chris Evans together. Like he's a pretty intimidating guy being somebody that's. I think he was already in his 80s at the time when he did this movie. So, um, it, I, I, I love Winter Soldier. I mean that 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 whole action sequence of even the the first one, and then the the car chase where he he uses his shield to break out of the car with 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 um, what's it called? Uh, with, Black Widow, uh, and, and, Black Widow and and Falcon. Yeah, like it's it's so good. It's just so good. How many of, how many of you all thought that Robert Redford was? Was Red Skull like how? Like were you like watching the movie? Was there at any point in time were you anticipating him removing his face and it being Red Skull? Because I know there was a moment where that first time that they that him and Chris, him and Captain America are in the office together. It's right after Nick gets shot, where mm-hmm. it's very tongue in cheek the way he's talking to to Cap, to Cap, you know. And I was just like, is this gonna? Is he going to be Red Skull? You know, like I was like, I was like, I think that this is this is where he went. You know, maybe he he's been lying in wait this whole time. Um, so I I personally thought at some point he was gonna remove that that you know Robert Redford's face was gonna come off and we were gonna see Red Skull. Uh, but but I'm glad it didn't go that way because you know the, the way he came back, the way that that particular character came back was very was very useful. But yeah, for a second there during uh during uh, Winter Soldier, I thought. Redford was definitely playing Red Skull. It well, didn't cross me, my mind. Yeah. No, no. Uh, for, no, no, for me, I, I was leaning more to him being Baron Zemo. Mm. That's what uh. I was thinking. I was thinking maybe he would, he would be him. Um, but yeah, so you know, this is also my number one pick of a movie. Um, it is you know the the most complete movie they've made. 
you know, the, the movie, there's nothing wrong with it. There's not one thing from the movie you can nitpick about. Like, to me, it's the dark night of the MCU because it's a film where it's a corporate espionage movie. Well, not corporate. It's just espionage, right? Government, you know, shady black op shit mm-hmm. that just happens to have Captain America in it. And, you know, it, it was just perfect from beginning to end. All the action sequences were great. You know, it has two, for, in my opinion, two of the best action scenes in any Marvel movie. And that's the beginning one on the ship with that panning shot where he's running through the boat, just fucking guys up left and right. And the elevator scene. Like that scene itself is like for me, it's like top top three action scenes in all the MC movies is that elevator scene. Just the way that he starts it when he says, Before we start, does anybody want to get out? And it's just like, bro, bro, he's gonna fuck up everybody right all now. Everybody. That's the first thing they you know, it's the first thing they shot, right? That's oh, really? literally the first thing they shot for that movie was the elevator sequence. Perfect. I'm good with it. You know, so yeah, it was just the the story was excellent. Everybody casting it was excellent. Like you, you didn't know who to trust. Like you really thought at some point that maybe Scarlett Johansson was playing both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is the only. So I feel is the only of trilogy of uh, in, in the Marvel um, universe that was great because the Iron Man trilogy two you can toss that one out. Thor only the third one's good, right? But the Cat movies, like you said, they only got better as time went on. You know, even though personally, I think Winter Soldier is the best one of those. And then it's also the only movie where the, the implications really resonated everywhere. Because back then, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had just started. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was the only movie that had a real impact on that show. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the whole thing about S.H.I.E.L.D. being Hydra affected the show. Right? Right? Because after that, the show kind of went off on its own. Like, it didn't really attach itself to the movies. You know, like, um, I, I think they might have touched on some of the stuff from Infinity War. I'm not too sure. I saw watching after a while. But definitely Winter Soldier was the one movie that affected that show the most. And yeah, just affected the MCU in general. Like you said, like Nick Fury lost, you know, his power. He, he lost his ability to really be on top of everything, even though he gets it back because he's Nick Fury. Right. But yeah, you know, it just it laid the groundwork for so many things. And so, yeah, Sebastian Stan was excellent as a Winter Soldier. Every scene he was in, he was just scary. You know, like you knew just a guy to be afraid of. You know, just the opening scene where he pops up with Samuel L. Jackson when he's driving down the street trying to get away and he's there in the middle of the road. It freaking just turns over as the car is like going by him in slow motion. I'm like, oh, this guy's a badass. <laughs> this guy's just going to be excellent. And, you know, just seeing him interacting with Cap, finding out that it's Bucky and just how hard that hits him. And then, you know, their their friendship, you know, how strong it is throughout the MCU and what a driving force it is for Cap in the MCU. Uh, yeah, this is a film that uh, when I when I walked out of there, I was like, holy shit, like the you know, like the movies already were good. You know, we were already in a post Avengers world, and you're thinking, man, like, what more can they do? Then you see this, and like, holy shit, mm-hmm. like they're they're really nailing it with, with with these movies. So, and you know, the Russo brothers, yeah, it established them. Now those guys can do whatever they want. You know, Marvel just loves to throw films at them, even though like I don't think they're gonna do any more now uh, after Endgame, right? Like, are they done after this? I mean, they keep they keep teasing secret wars you know they they do love that storyline they talk a lot about about loving that you know growing up and reading that storyline um i think that if if we were to quickly just kind of evaluate where we are now in the mcu um how plausible that storyline can be um and and how it can work they they already teased it in in far from home with with uh with with the scrolls you know impersonating Mm. you know uh nick and uh agent hill uh, so I think you know you you have you have the ability there. Do they want to do it? I'm sure they do. I mean, it, not only is it not only I'm sure is it a fun job, but it's also something that they need to commit to because it's not a one or two movie thing. You know, like again, no, they're, they're yeah. going to be in the MCU and they're going to be grinding it out for a few years. So again, we talk about actors and directors who don't want to tie themselves to these kinds of things for too long. Um, you know, or this becomes one you know one trick ponies. But I think if if there's if there's anybody who can do that kind of stuff, it's them. 
you know. Uh, but then again, Marvel, Kevin Feige, they they have a, a knack to bring you know these filmmakers that you don't think of, uh, like a Joe Johnston who who comes in and does a Captain America. You know, uh, even though you know you can look at the Rocketeer and look at Captain America: The First Avenger and see those parallels uh, and mm-hmm. see why it works and why he was chosen. And that to me is why you know they can probably go forward without the Russo brothers. But again, like we talked about, just the, the, their dynamic, the way that they shoot things. Um, <clears throat> it's unmatched nobody else can do it so to me you know yeah i definitely would want them to come back um and again you know i'm sure marvel's got the checkbook you know disney's got the checkbook to do it so there's no excuses it's just you know it's just time and and whether or not they want to do it but uh but yeah i would love for them to come back yeah it'd be it'd be interesting to see if they're willing to i mean as of right now they've been relegated to basically doing their big tentpole films the big the big chapter movies because after the success of Winter Soldier, that basically garnered them the the ability to do Civil War, which is kind of like, you know, that was, like you were saying, an Avengers light type of film. Um, and then they go on and do, you know, uh, Endgame as well as uh, Infinity War, right? So they definitely have the chops to, I think what Disney likes is that they handle doing the really big movies extremely well. And um you know, if they were brought back for anything, I think it's probably for the same thing again for them to handle. You know, the uh, whatever next Avengers film you could think of. You know, with with all the new cast of characters that are slated to have their own films in between. Um, it, it, I, I think I could see them coming back. You know, it's not that they're handcuffed to doing only these you know Marvel projects because they still kind of uh, their names bounce around here and there for different, mostly for like on the producing side for different things, um, but. Uh, I think after Endgame, they haven't. They, I don't think they've directed anything. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're just willing well, to. Um, they, they had that movie uh, Extraction on Netflix, the Chris Hemsworth movie. Right, but they did not direct that. No, they, they only directed. Produ- no, oh, they, they only produced know. it. Oh, okay, they my bad. It. Yeah, and it was oh, only. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, and I think it was only one of the Russo brothers um, who did Extraction. Um, right, and they're working on they're working on a couple projects. They've got Magic: The Gathering, which they're doing. You know, the the series for Netflix. Um, and uh, and I know that Kathleen Kennedy has been chomping at the bid to to bring them to the Star Wars universe. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where they go and the opportunities that are afforded because of, of the success. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, they you know, probably not in a literal sense, but I mean, they they probably because of Winter Soldier, Marvel felt good about stepping away from Joss Whedon. You know, and 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 taking almost the the film reins of of the MCU away from him because, you know, he was their brainchild for 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 a minute there. It was Kevin Feige and Whedon, um, and then, and then it wasn't right after Winter Soldier. It was it was yeah. it was it was you know Feige and the Russo brothers, um, and then James obviously uh, with his with his success with Guardians, he became a huge a huge proponent to that. Like that roundtable that they had. Um, on the uh, on the Endgame uh, Blu-ray, uh, you know, when that dropped, James had had it, hadn't been invited back to do Guardians yet. And listening to him talk, like you could see how important he is, or how important he had become to the MCU. So to me, like watching that interview, I was like, this guy, I don't know how they're gonna let him go. How they're not gonna bring him back over this stuff? And sure as heck, you know, a couple weeks later. After DC gave him the Suicide Squad, Disney was like, "We're sorry. Please just come back and do Guardians Three. We don't care about the tweets, you know." So, 
Yep. Here's a blank check. Put whatever you want right. on it. We'll pay it. Right. And well deserved. You know, well oh, deserved. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I could see why. Well, what happened with Joss Whedon was he got burnt out after the second movie. It was kind of like uh, he had in his mind kind of writing and directing his own version of it. But there's a lot of scenes in that movie that uh, he, he's been pretty open about it afterwards that um, almost that Disney basically forced him to do mm-hmm. um, that felt a little bit out of place. And he uh, I'm pretty sure he's been open and saying like this. It was the worst experience he's ever had in terms of making a big budget movie like that. That's that's why we'll probably never see Joss Whedon ever again. So I'm, well, this I'm, was also I'm sure a, Justice League was worse. Oh well, I mean, he was just brought on to 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 clean up the uh, the mess. That yeah, he was yeah, left, but so. yeah, but that was just a dumpster fire in and of itself. Right. But, but yeah, like uh, that that yeah. Thor scene, like he didn't want that Thor scene, like the way he had that vision, he didn't want yeah. that, and you can tell, like that scene was crap. Yeah, it's just in there. You know, there's a lot of random scenes mm-hmm. in the second uh, Avengers movie that I you know I like the second Avengers movie. A lot of people give it, you know, a, a ton of shit, but I mean, it might be a little bit too quirky, and you know. Uh, What's his face? Ultron might be a little bit like too like trying to be too much of a comedic robot, right? But yeah, yeah, I I think it was a blessing in disguise for Disney um, because of the bad experience they had with Joss Whedon after that second Avengers film that the Russo brothers did so well that they're like, okay, well now we found our guys to handle these big films, and it probably helps that it's you know it's two brothers so they can split the work. You know, it's not um, it's not just one guy just handling these. I mean, think about if I thinking about the task of handling any sort of these Avengers films, like it's it's mind blowing. Just oh my god, the amount of work that must go into it, it's un, it's crazy. Yeah, Absolutely. like just in, just in the sheer number of cast members in and of itself, you right. know, like you have all these you know huge high profile actors that you have to juggle. So yeah, yeah. having two of them is definitely having two of them that are equally talented definitely mm-hmm. helps out for yeah, sure. For sure. All right, fellas. Uh, so we have some time left. So let's throw in what we feel are the most underrated uh, MCU film. Like you know, pick the one that you think is great that most people tend to not really think that same way so like uh we'll start with you carlos but what movie do you think is the most underrated so initially i was going to say uh iron man 3 but i have mm-hmm. a feeling somebody else might pick that one <laughs> a pretty good feeling yeah yeah but um uh, besides that I, actually the one movie that i that i i kind of forgot about but um when i looked at the list of like i've just brought up a list of the 23 films and i was like I'm like, is there really 23 movies? So I start looking at it, and I, the one that I came up across the list, and then I really thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, like this is one that most people have kind of forgotten about, and it was another one that they brought on uh, Scott Derrickson, a guy who's been known for like horror to do, mm-hmm. and that's Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is, you know, if you really ask anyone, the average Marvel fan, somebody like either like you know like maybe my wife or my or my sister, like. Do you remember like what happens in Doctor Strange or do you remember about Doctor Strange? They'll probably tell you not really just because like it was kind of released in the middle of the whole uh, craziness of basically the rest of the MCU. And um, it it kind of it was one of those that stood on its own. Didn't really doesn't really have much implications to the rest of the universe. It's just more of like establishing, um, you know, Doctor Strange and and his character. And that's basically it, at least from what I remember, because I, I haven't seen it in so long. But just remembering the movie, I mean, it's it's a very another one, very weird, very trippy. Um, the ending alone is like it's it, the fact that, you know, with the whole ending of him repeating over and over seeing Dormammu is like it's almost you look at it, it's almost as if Disney was just saving money just by recycling the same editing over and over and over again. <laughs> But it worked uh, out. Yeah, that's that's one that I feel doesn't get enough love. Um, I think uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is great hmm. as Doctor Strange. Um, you know, with that go the way he looks and the whole goatee, you'd be like, 
is he trying to be like you know Tony Stark? But then you think about the character, he kind of you know the whole goatee look is part of his thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, yeah, I I I I I like that one a lot, and I think um, the only character in that movie that's kind of like meh that just you already forget about. Is, do you remember that Rachel McAdams is in that movie? Hmm. So, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, that, like she's someone that you definitely think about. And you're like, oh yeah, she was in that movie. Yeah, um, yeah and like. Um, yeah, I liked it as well. I thought it was really good. I was a little bit disappointed with how they use Maz Mikkelsen as um yes. Uh, oh my god, I forget the villain's name, but um yeah, it was very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I definitely expected more because like I'm a I love that guy. I love Maz Mikkelsen. That guy's great in anything he's in. You know, just fucking watch Hannibal. You know, mm. and you know, hearing yeah, he was gonna be in an MCU movie. I'm like, all right, awesome, good. And you know, he was serviceable. You know, but that's all he was. He was just a serviceable villain that was just like obviously the pawn of Dormammu. So he was just there to serve a purpose. Uh, but you know, everybody else was great. Like uh, Chivatel Edgia Four was great as a uh, Mordo. Uh, Tilda Swinton as the ancient one was awesome. Even though people got mad that you know, it was a white lady, you know, for like an Asian character, and I was like, all right, I get it, you know. But she she was great. She's played well. Also, she's played characters before because like she plays a lot of characters that are kind of like that um, that middle ground that that could either be male mm-hmm. or female because she was yeah, in uh, very ambiguous. Uh, she, she was, was in, in, uh, in Constantine, Constantine, like she was a character yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Played the angel, right? Yeah, she, play, so, yeah, she plays Gabriel. She plays Gabriel. Yeah. Angel. Yeah. yeah. So and, I, and you can't tell if it's a man or a woman. Right. That's, I think that's probably why they picked her, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And she's really good in it. So yeah. no, it's inspired casting. She definitely is a heavyweight. Uh, I, I love Doctor Strange. I didn't love it in the beginning. I, I walked out of there and thought it was very formulaic. Uh, you know, it was just your basic, like, I'm a piece of shit person. I go through a traumatic experience. I learn from that said traumatic experience. Now I'm Doctor Strange. Um, I thought it was very cut and dry. Um, but the more I watched it, um, the more I started to, you know, kind of really kind of become enamored with it. And, and, and I've seen it, I've seen it quite a few times just because again, I think it's, it's another one of those movies that with Dr. Strange, and we're going to be able to see this in Dr. Strange, the sequel with the multiverse of madness. Uh, it does, you know, it does open up the world, um, you know, outside of that, that regular six sixteen canon, right. That, that earth one, so to speak, uh, mm. type of, uh, MCU that we're seeing right now. Uh, so to me, you know, again, just another character that's very, very important. Um, and the things that he's able to do are going to, you know, give us more and more stories, um, going forward uh my most underrated pick is probably not going to be you know welcomed but i i think it's iron man too um just because it 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 suffers from the thing that 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 they had to do which was world built they had to they had to kind of set up that whole uh tony stark howard stark relationship uh how that worked how howard you know laid this you know planted the seeds for tony's you know uh technology and you know basically put him in the in the position to be iron man for a much longer period of time um you know we got to see kind of the origins of of shield there um you know cap's prototype shield tony's using it to hold up you know a a bunch of wires um you know, I think it's I think it's underrated uh, in, in a few ways, but uh, but it's also one of those things where uh, it's not a cohesive like it's not one whole cohesive piece. It just has those pieces in it. Um, but I, I appreciate it the most because it, it was able to bring in Don Cheadle uh, into the MCU, who I think should have been War Machine from day one. Like there was, mm-hmm. you know, them casting Terrence Howard to me made no sense. Like I just didn't see him um as war machine uh as colonel Rhodes, uh and again i didn't really 
think that his presence in Iron Man 1 stood out. But with Don Cheadle, um, it immediately, he immediately became a character that you cared about. Um, and that's because of, you know, his acting and who he is. So to me, I think Iron Man 2 is a little underrated. Um, even, you know, even the subsequent follow-up with the, the Shane Black follow-up, you know, that's, that's definitely another one that, that, that falls into that category. But, but yeah, you know, the Iron, the Iron Man sequels get a lot of flack, but I think that again, they were, they were building blocks. And unfortunately with, with shared universes, you're going to have those movies that are going to suffer from world building and not give you enough Iron Man or enough, or give you a well-rounded out villain, villain, because let's be serious here. Mickey Rourke as Whiplash was probably the worst thing about that movie maybe um mm-hmm. besides his russian accent um it was just one of those things where it's just like eh, i don't i don't really see it um but but there is that that the one idea that i love from that movie is that line where where they're in the jail cell together and tony's like you lost today buddy and he's like no i won i made god bleed you know and now mm-hmm. blood's in the water and the sharks will come so and and that set the precedence for for his paranoia you know for tony's paranoia and the way that he he reacts throughout the rest of the films leading to the creation of ultron trying to put that you know net around the world that suit of armor around the world um you know it was uh there was a lot of good that came out of it but it does get a lot of flack yeah so um like i like iron man too um you know, my, my pick for underrated is actually Iron Man 3, but, you know, let, let's go back to part two. Um, yeah, there are plenty of things to like about it. Like I said, Don Cheadle being brought in as Rhodes, was, he was great. Yeah, he, he should have been uh, War Machine from the get-go. I agree with that. Um, and Iron Man 2, you know, like for me, like had like the coolest Iron Man transformation where he got that suitcase mm-hmm. armor and put that on. Like, I thought that was amazing. Um, and then, you know, Mickey Rourke, yeah, they brought him in because he was riding that high from, you know, making The Wrestler. You know, he was nominated for an Oscar, so they were like, let's bring this guy in. And mm-hmm. he was no, no good. Um, Sam Rockwell was in there. He was amazing. I thought he was I really good. I think he's the saving grace. Hammer. Yeah, he I, think yeah. He's, I think he's the he saving was, grace of that movie. Yeah, he, he was really good in that movie. And like, yeah. you know, it's a shame that they never brought back the character. You know, because for me, Sam Rockwell, like, I've only become more of a fan of, of his as time has gone on. So like, you know, it's a shame that like he probably will never come back. But you know, I would like to see him, you know, come back in some capacity. But Iron, yeah, Iron Man two. Um, is definitely yeah it gets a lot of flag. I don't think it's as bad as people say it is, um, but yeah, it, it gets more flag than I think it deserves. Do you know why Sam Rockwell's in it? No, he was supposed he was originally intended. Well, he was I think Favreau's initial first choice for uh, playing. I don't know if it was Favreau of Marvel, but somebody's first choice for playing Tony Stark <laughs> before Robert Downey. Oh no and- shit. Yeah. No, okay, nah, but that, so, that that wouldn't have worked out. So I don't, they, I don't see him as they brought him back as like not as a favorite, but they were like, let's let's bring Sam Rockwell into the universe and have him as you know so and so, right? So, okay. um, but yeah, he's he's an, yeah, him and Don Cheadle are the saving graces of of the second movie. Obviously, besides Robert Downey, but um, yeah, and you know, yeah. And, and like the last fight scene is awesome. So you know, yeah. just to see you know him him and War Machine together for the first time, you're like, this yeah. is freaking great. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, so my pick is uh, like I said before, Iron Man three. Hmm. Um, you know, like I feel is it's the best of, of the Iron Man movies. Uh, even though obviously you know one is has the significance of starting at all, but I feel as far as telling the story of Tony Stark, I think three did it better. Uh, mostly because of it had to bring Tony back to his roots of being a genius, being an inventor, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being creative. You know, because his suit didn't work for the vast majority of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, like the whole thing about that movie was, you know, the, 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 you know, the yellow gold suit, right? How it comes on, right? That thing never worked. You know, like he barely had it on. He had to rely on his intellect, you know, to, to get through these situations. Um, 
I, I felt the the storyline with the Mandarin was excellent. Like it really bothered me how annoyed everybody was that you know you didn't have the actual Mandarin in there. And it was like, well, listen, guys, the Mandarin as he's portraying the comics, a little bit of like you know a racist caricature. You know, it's like it, you don't want that kind of a character in this movie, especially not with how young the MCU still was relatively, right? Because this this movie was right after Avengers. We were still pretty early on. Um, I'm pretty sure you can bring. I'm, I'm sure with uh, Shang Chi, I, I I don't doubt they're going to bring in the, the Mandarin in that movie. That's fine. Um, but I thought Ben Kingsley was amazing. You know, like just the fact that you know he wasn't named Trevor or something, but he was uh, freaking funny as hell in that yep. in that scene. And then you know, guy Guy Pierce was great as a villain. Um, like I felt the overall story was just excellent. And you know, just the final scene. You know, again, you know, Tony again, he has no one particular suit. He's going through all the different suits, having that fight, right? And basically, like I feel like just like that scene with the suits is basically where his mind was at. Mm-hmm. He was scattered, right? His mind was everywhere. He wasn't focused, you know. And him building all those suits showcases that. Mm-hmm. And then having him have that growth, showing that he understands what he needs to do, you know, that he's more focused on on his task at hand and blowing everything up and just starting from scratch, you know, like I, I felt was just a really really good uh, message for for his character. And you know, it's just something like, like you said before, like you know, and two, he, he was paranoid. And you and you see that paranoia to full fruition, right? Because he's suffering PTSD from basically almost dying against against uh, the aliens in the Avengers. So to see all that brought to the forefront in Part Three, you know, like I, I feel that the movie should get a lot more love than it does. And it's a Shane yeah. Black film, and Shane Black is is just brilliant. You know, it's not it's definitely the most non Marvel Marvel movie. Like I don't know how Shane Black did it, but he made his movie. You know, like mm-hmm. he made movies the way like if you've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, like that's like the the pacing, the beat, the dialogue, the cadence of the dialogue, all of that kind of transfers over to Iron Man three, um, and it's just it, it's a it's a purely his movie, uh, and I think that that's probably the 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 thing that it you know that people say the most about it is that it just doesn't feel like a, an Iron Man movie, but again, it's it's really not. It's a Tony Stark movie. It's not an Iron Man movie. It's a Tony Stark movie. So I agree. I I, I think the sequels, the follow ups to Iron Man, you know. Um, get a lot of flack, um, which is funny because to me the one that that, that deserves it the most are, are the Thor movies. Like Thor, Absolutely. Thor and Dark World, like those are not good movies. They're just not. They're generic yeah. and they're not creative. Uh, and it isn't until like you pointed out in Ragnarok where you really start to you know really develop the character of Thor. Um, you know the only good thing that came out of those movies, the the first mo- Thor movies, were the fact that we got Chris as as Thor and we got. Hiddleston as Loki. That's it. Those mm-hmm. were those. That was it. There were no other implications yeah. out of those two movies. You know. Yeah. Um, I was going to say about uh, about Iron Man three. Like the there there are certain action sequences in that movie that really stand out. That I think people forget about. Like yeah, that that last sequence with him jumping from all the suits is great because it just shows so much variety and how you know how much of a of a technical genius Tony Stark is in creating these kind of suits. And then even that. That whole sequence, Alexis, of the of him rescuing all the people uh, from the from the plane that's about to crash, like he has to save mm-hmm. all of them. Like the yeah. fact that one, they shot that for real, and then two, yep. uh, is it's an amazing sequence. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I I agree. I feel like people, I guess people get really bothered by it just because it's true. I mean, he's he's in his actual Iron Man suit maybe twenty five percent of the movie. You know. The rest of the movie, it's it's him. It's a very grounded Iron Man at this point, where he has to, you know, rely more on his brain power than his actual like the technology behind the stuff that he makes. So, uh, I, I and it's it's a it's a hilarious Iron Man film too. I mean, he has 
he has such good chemistry with the kid in the movie, you know, and that obviously has to do with like Shane Black's dialogue. And it's also hey, people forget it's a Christmas movie. It's mm-hmm. placed during Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, like all Shane Black's movies almost. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I almost had that one on my list. Like I mentioned earlier that Iron Man three um, would have been another one that I would have picked as very underrated or very uh, forgotten about before I obviously went with Dr. Strange. So um, yeah, it's, I, I don't think it's fair. I think it, the, the amount of people that dislike Iron Man three is is it's it's unfortunate because it is it might be the best one out of the three because the first one is is still great, but it's still there are certain parts of it that definitely feel dated. So um, yeah, I, I I could see Iron Man three um, hopefully getting some sort of a fan base resurgence in the next you know couple of years, but we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah, but, yeah, wasn't rewatching things like that. Yeah, but all right, fellas. Um, I want to go ahead and thank my guests for joining me this week. Ruben, appreciate you being on no, here, thank bro. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, man. Uh, guys, make sure you check out his work. Check out the agency. Uh, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on pretty much any social media platform. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Ruben the Writer. Uh, on Facebook under the same name, uh, Twitter as well. Twitter, I mostly just you know scream at the president. Um, I don't, I don't really. T- <laughs> Who doesn't know? I, really, I don't really talk a lot about comics and stuff like that on Twitter. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, if you want to check out my work, I'm on Comicsology. I'm also on a um, on a brand new independent company uh, that does very similar to you know the similar thing to to Comicsology. They provide digital comics. They're called SpinWiz Comics. Uh, they're also on Facebook. Um, so so yeah, just check it out. Come check me out. Awesome. And then Carlos, where can people find you at? So um, my Instagram handle is Briseno underscore media underscore. And it's just my personal Instagram page that people can, you know, get an idea of what I do in my personal life. And it's a uh, hint. It's, it's not much. So it's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's especially nowadays where we're still, you know, I don't know. Are we still yeah, stuck at home or not? Are we allowed to go out? I guess we're allowed uh, to go out, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm venturing out a little more nowadays, you know? Yeah. Like, no, yeah, like, I, like you, you, you and I hung out recently for the first time in literally like six months. Yeah. So, you know, like we're starting to venture onto the world a little more. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. two weeks ago, I just came back from Disney, spent a couple of days at Fort Wilderness, um, got to ride Rise Rise of the Resistance for the first time, uh, oh, got to ride a flight of, of whatever it is, the Avatar ride. Um, yeah. Oh, that ride's amazing. Yeah. No, that that shit blew my mind, bro. I was like, <laughs> I thought I was really there. Um, yeah. And, uh, and there were no drugs related. So, you know, that ride is good. Um, mm-hmm. so it was just one of those things where, you know, like we are starting to venture out a little bit more, um, you know, obviously being safe, Disney did a great job with the masks, you don't, you know, like, and things like that, enforcing the masks and, and doing the things they do. They got those little relaxation stations where you can just go take it off and kind of, you know, do your thing. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, the, the further we get into this thing, man, I think the more, uh, need and want to hang out with our friends and see our family, uh, becomes a larger precedent than, you know, than being afraid of, of, of getting sick. Uh, and I think, you know, all of us being responsible adults, we all know what to do. We wash our hands, mm-hmm. wear our masks and, and, yep. and do what we need to do and not, you know, and not put ourselves at risk. But yeah, man, I mean, I just, I haven't been to Miami in, in months, you know, um, I live in Tampa now, uh, but because of this thing, you know, I usually go down there to go see my friends and 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 my my best friend's parents, who I'm very close to. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to do that just because things have been crazy. But hopefully, in the next few weeks, I'll be able to do so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, little by little, like you said, we we all know what we need to do to not get sick. So as long as I think as we follow those rules, you know, like I'm not planning going to a freaking bar anytime soon. So you know, right. like just keeping it to simple hangouts. You know, yeah, but that stuff that I'm I'm definitely willing to definitely do. 
Well, uh, guys, as usual, you can find me on uh, my Instagram page. It is at Alexis underscore says underscore. I'm also on Twitter, Alexis Javier 88, where, um, yeah, I mostly just talk. Um, it's either basketball right now, which, you know, it's a little tough right now with what happened last night. <laughs> and, yeah, calling the president an asshole. So that, that's basically where I'm at as well. All right, fellas. Well, once again, I want to thank you guys for joining me. Uh, I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what your picks are. Do you think that we chose, chose the right movies? You know, do you think the Hulk is the best one? If that's the case, please don't contact me. I don't want to speak to you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until next time, take care of each other and peace out. <laughs>